praise you, oh Jesus. Oh, Father, today, Lord God, it's Resurrection Sunday, and we want to use this day to hail the name of Jesus. Everybody following us on Zoom, everybody here in this broadcast center, hail King Jesus, because the King of Kings is coming in right now. Everybody rise to your feet. Everybody praise Him right now. Even if you're at home, I want to invite you, rise to your feet. The King is coming into this place. Rise to your feet and praise Praise, rise to your feet and give a praise. Come on, church, rise to your feet. Give praise to the king. Give praise to the king. Give praise to the king, church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, church, if you will rise for a bride at a wedding, wouldn't you rise for the bridegroom on this Resurrection Sunday? Every one of us, Lord God, right now, just giving praise to King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. All hail King Jesus in your hearts. Hail King Jesus in your will. Hail King Jesus. Will yourself to hail King Jesus in your hands. Lift them up. Hail King Jesus with your voice. With your voice that God gave you. Open that mouth and shout out a praise. And hail King Jesus with your all of your soul with all of your soul, which the Lord save, which the Lord save for the hailing of King Jesus right now, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all hail King Jesus. Let's praise Him right now. Let's praise Him right now on this Resurrection Sunday. Let's praise Him right now, Lord God. Father, we want to praise You. Oh, Father, we want to exalt You. We want to lift You high. We want to lift You high, Lord God. Not that You are not high enough that You need us to lift You high, but in our hearts, in our hearts where we have, where we have lifted other things higher. Right now, we want to lift Jesus high in our hearts where you where, where you if you have fallen down the pecking order we want to lift you high so that on this resurrection Sunday we remember Lord God that you are raised back to life from the dead and never again will you perish and this is our living hope this is our hope that we belong to a God who lives forever and nothing can rob our joy, nothing can rob our life, nothing can rob our eternity with you. So King Jesus, today we are here to make much of you. We're not here to make much of ourselves. There is not much to make much of anyway. We're not here to make much of the way we run our service. No, everyone is giving their best. We are not here to make much of our processes. We are here to lift up one name, one name, one God, one King, one Lord, one love, one love in our lives. King Jesus, let us heal Him on this day. Father, truly Lord God, on this Resurrection Sunday, there is only one fixation in our hearts and in our eyes. Our eyes fixed on Jesus. Our eyes fixed on Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Friends, if you are visiting with us, I want to say a huge welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Friends, if you are part of Sunai Bulo Church Service and you're part of the fam. 
I want to say, friends, here we are, family, on our first Easter Sunday together, praising the name of Jesus together through, through the miraculous and the mess and the mundane across the whole gamut of our existence. From the highest point of the most miraculous things to the lowest point of the most messy things and all the mundane stuff in between. Every day we give praise to Jesus and all of God's people shout aloud. Amen. All right, come on church. Come on church. There is good news to be shared. We're going to share it. All right, there's good news to be shared today. Friends, it's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And today I have a word that I want to share with you from the Gospel of John chapter 20. But today is Resurrection Sunday. Somebody type into the chat, Resurrection Sunday. Somebody type into the chat, not just any old Sunday. But today is Resurrection Sunday. Today is the day that we celebrate the coming back to life, the miraculous reversal from death. Today is the day we celebrate that death has been defeated. Christ is King, O death. Where is your sting, O grave? Where is your boast? You have nothing left to say against those who are in Christ Jesus. Today, we celebrate Resurrection of of Jesus and in the, and in Jesus, all our own resurrections as well. Amen. Let's go to some Bible. I really want to share with you good news. But I always like to say this, it's not just good news because there's a lot of good news out there. Slango, no, 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 for the second day, I think in a week, uh, not the highest grossing, uh, 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 highest grossing, high, hi, highest number of cases in Malaysia. It makes it a bit safer for those of us in Slango to go out, right? Can we, that's good news, right? That's good news. Nationally, if the numbers are all going down, it's good news, right? If you can, if your business can get back on track, if you're in retail and you're starting to see traffic come in a bit more, that's good news. And praise God for good news. If you are well and healthy today and you are here and you are able to be part of our church family today, that's good news. We can give praise to God for that. Remember just now, I said with your voice, hail Jesus. And it just hit me that, you know what? Sometimes we take for granted that we have a voice. That we have not, not like I have a voice in this world, but I have a voice box that works. Because this week, um, earlier this week, um, uh, my kids and I uh, were, at, were at the Sky Mirror in Sikin Chan. And, and, uh, and, and at one point, they ran behind uh, uh, um, everybody's backdrop and everybody's taking photos. And I started like, like projecting my voice across the whole beach, you know. And then I realized on Easter week, I lost my voice. And I, I had no voice to give. And I had to do Good Friday recording with like such a thin strand of voice. I also don't know how I did it. Praise be to God. I know how He did it, right? I know how He did it. So even if you have a voice, so open your mouth and say, All hail King Jesus. If you can project voice from your mouth today, hey, that's good news. But my friends, out of all the good newses in this world, good news, out of all the good news in this world, there is one that rises above all the other good news. There is one news that is the most triumphant, 
though not always triumphalistic, right? Like, like, like we lord it over. There is one good news that is the most victorious and it's always victorious. That news is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, went into a tomb to, be, to, to rot like any other corpse. And three days later, three days later, his buried body began to breathe. And out of that silence, the silence of Friday night, the silence of the whole of, of Saturday, out of the silence, the roaring lion of Judah rose again and declared that this grave is a borrowed grave. This grave is not my permanent home. And so shall from now on all our graves, all our graves shall no longer be a permanent home. From now on, every single one of our future graves will be a propulsion into eternal life with Jesus. That is the best news ever. The best news ever. I challenge you to find me a better piece of news. I really do with love and with humility. You ain't gonna find one. Go find me a better piece of news. Anywhere you can look for every tradition in every part of the world from every span and era of his, human history. Find me a better piece of news and I would rather believe that. But it doesn't exist. There is one best piece of news and the news is about Jesus. John chapter 20 takes off from after Jesus had died. And I'll get back a little bit. I'll rewind a bit to the cross in a moment. But after Jesus had died, they hastily wrapped him up, hastily embalmed him because it was late on Friday afternoon already. Uh, um, and Shabbat, which is Sabbath, was already going to begin. And so um, his disciples hastily got him into a tomb. Friday night. On all of Saturday, nothing. Nothing happened on Saturday. Maybe despair set in on Saturday. Maybe a weird kind of new, new normal set in for, for the disciples. Maybe a sense of loss, a, a, a grieving process took place on that Saturday. Maybe they, re, they, they started to get, to, to come to terms with the fact that Something that they've been that they've been building towards uh, a man whom they've been journeying with, a hope that they've been harboring for the prior three years, was coming to ruin, and they were coming to terms with it. Maybe that was what happened on Saturday, and somewhere in the mind of Mary Magdalene, one of the many women who used to follow and support the Jesus ministry in those days. Somewhere on Saturday, maybe even on Friday, but I suspect the idea popped into a head on Saturday. The Lord's embalming tak cukup. It won't last through the whole way. We need to preserve the body of our Lord a bit better. And so the story will tell in the Gospel of the Luke version of this, that Mary and the other women were also on their way there. And, on, and in the Gospel of John, John tells from the perspective of Mary and her experience going there. The other women were bringing, were, were bringing extra spices, embalming spices. 
But in this case, we are following the story of Mary. And it seems like she was the first to arrive. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Madeline came to the tomb early. Maybe earliest. But we know she came early while it was still dark. And she saw, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Friends, in those days, the tombs were not built down into the ground. The tombs were essentially using a, a cave that had been carved out and they would put the body into the tomb and then they would roll a stone over it. They would roll a stone over it. And that's how they did their tombs in those days. And on that morning, Mary Madeline neared her toward, walked towards the tomb and saw the stone, which was so large, it had been rolled away. And what was her response? Let's look at verse number 2. So, she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. Maybe she was panting in between. She had been running. A lot of running. So, uh, incidentally, a lot of running in this chapter. First one to run is Mary Madeline. She ran to Peter and the other disciple, the other disciple um, is, the, is the Apostle John. Uh, he gives it away at the end of John 21. He says that other disciple that I keep calling the other disciple, that's me, the one authoring this. So that's John. Mary runs to Peter and John and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. And we're just going to pause here and think about what's going on because for Mary, the moment trouble set, the moment she realized something was not right, the moment she faced an opposition, the first person she ran to were the people she knew. She ran to those who were familiar to her. She ran to the things and the people and, 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 and all that. That's my first point, my friends, is that when trouble sets, we usually run to the ones we know. We usually run to the things that are familiar. We usually run to the friends that we have. And there's nothing, strictly speaking, wrong with that. But my friends, the Lord is teaching us, even through this, through this text, when trouble comes, run to God. Run to God. But in this case, she ran to, to her friends. She ran to everything else. My friends, do you feel the same is true of ourselves? I know it's true of me. If I don't check my heart, if I'm not, if I, if I, if I'm not really walking close to God, and, and even when I am, I, th I would even say that the intuitive thing, when something goes wrong, we run, we look to the friends around us. We can take the slide off now. We look and we, we look to the people around us. We run to them for comfort. We run to them for help. And even today, can I, can I be so frank, my friends? Today, our service, we had like, like Zoom problem, OBS problem, sound this, uh, 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 this thing, that thing. And there are so many things. And our natural impulse, whenever we face something, a hurdle, an, over, an, an obstacle, is that we run to each other. And strictly speaking, my friends, there's nothing wrong with that. But friends, when the really big things hit, when the really big things hit, do you run to God? And I think the Lord wants us to learn that, that there might be that instant, instinctive kind of running to each other and He understands. He doesn't expect you to be super holy moly and over-spiritual about things. He understands. But at what point do you run to God? At what point do you say, 
do, do you look at, at all the things around you? At what point do you look at all the people around you? And then remember the words of, of, of the Bible that says that horses are prepared for war, but victory comes from the Lord. My friends, at what point do we arrest ourselves and snap out of, of our own respective panic modes and say, God, God, if you don't deliver me, deliver me, oh God, because if you don't deliver me, I perish. Does it get desperate to that point? Do we only turn and run to God when it's so desperate, so desperate that we think that we really see our perishing before us, that we run and turn to God? He is gracious. He will receive you. He won't say, ah, why you didn't come sooner? Why you wait so long? He's not that kind of God. Maybe our mums and dads were that kind of mums and dads. You know, they did the best they knew. And maybe that's why we hear God's voice sounding like our parents. Maybe your teachers spoke like that to you. Maybe that's why you hear God's voice sounding like that. God is not your parents. You know, God is not your teachers. God is not your boss. And God is not your older siblings when you were growing up. God is God. He his voice tends to take us for a left hook because we don't expect it. We expect the voices of those familiar to us. Even if those voices um, always have an edge of being a little bit hard or a little bit too soft or a little bit too, too, too painful to hear, we tend to expect the voices we are familiar. But God says, run to me as soon as you can. Remember me. Run to me. Remember me. Run to me. My friends, we've gone just through, we've just gone through like the toughest year uh, um, uh, we can think of. As a people, as a nation, as a, as a church, as a family of believers, as a community, as a family, your own household, all of us as individuals with your career, some of you have seen your career stall, some of you have seen your business do the same. My friends, when the chips really go down, who do you run to? And I want to share with you that God is a good one to run to. God is a good one to run to because He knows the end from the beginning. Meaning from the start, He can see the finish line and He is in full control of the whole timeline. And so, my friends, if you've never had a habit of running to Jesus when the chips are down, don't wait till the chips are down. Run to Him now. Run to Him today. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, so you see all these Christians singing their Christian songs and doing their churchy things and doing their Easter celebration and you're sitting on the side and you're looking in and you're thinking, I will have my own way of running to God. I will find my own way. And the Lord is saying, my friend, my dear, my son, my daughter, you don't have to find your own way. And maybe across the course of your life, someone has taught you to find your own way. That you're on your own, my friends. You're on your own. I grew up as a, I grew up as a Theravadan Buddhist, something like that. And, uh, and we used to sing this, this Buddhist hymns. It's, it's, it, in a weird way, it's my favourite Buddhist hymn to reference because it's, it, speaks, it speaks very true of the mindset and the world, um, that I, one world that I was brought up in, one, 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 one spirituality that I grew up believing in. 
And that Buddhism goes along the lines of by ourselves is evil done, by ourselves become we pure, by ourselves we cease from wrong, by ourselves with pain endure, no one saves us but ourselves, no one can, no one may, we ourselves must walk the path and they say the Buddhas merely show the way. And that's, that's the song that our Buddhist friends are singing, my friends. Maybe not all. Maybe the Mahayana Buddhists um, have, have different songs, you know. Uh, maybe it's not in English as well. But my friends, these are the songs that I grew up with before I knew Jesus. You yourself, you yourself walk the path by yourself. All these things done by ourselves. Sendiri Kauting. You failed, you flunked, Sendiri Kauting. You got bad karma on you, Sendiri Kauting. You got this on you, friends. Trust me. I'm not really coming here to do like comparative religion. I'm telling you from my own life that I grew up being told that if, if, I, if I mess up in my life by yourself, you go Sendiri Kauting. And songs, worship songs like that shaped me into thinking that, you know what? I don't think anyone's going to come and help me. I don't think, I, I, I think if I fall in this, I, can't, don't have, I don't know who I can run to. I know I can run to my parents. I know I could. I knew I could run to my family. I knew they would support me. I've always known that. But beyond that, on a cosmic level, who do I turn to? My friends, who do you turn to? And today, from this little, from just this little, little three verses, we see Mary Madeline not knowing where to turn to. The body of our Lord has been stolen. What's going to happen? And she runs to the first people she knows how to run to. She runs to her friends. My friends, today, there is a better you got, you got friends to run to. That's good news, my friends. But even better news, you have Jesus to run to. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. So my friends, if that is you, I want you to, I want you to put Jesus before you. I just want you to even just, just see Him before you. Because today, it's all about seeing Jesus. It's all about encountering Him. I want you to just see Jesus before you. I know it's strange. There's nothing magical or weird. or, 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 or We're not doing anything spooky here. But I just want you to train your imagination to see Jesus in front of you. And all the, around Jesus, all the other possibilities. And all the other possibilities go one big circle around you, 359 degrees of all other possibilities. And that one degree right in front of you, north, Jesus. Who will you turn to when the chips are down? You can turn to yourself as well and stop moving. My friends, today, the Lord says to you, run to me. And I'm already running to you. If you know the parable of the prodigal son, when the son left his foreign country after squandering his life and squandering his inheritance, and he packed up and he said, I'm going to go home to my father. And he starts making that journey back to the father. The father spots him from a mile away, gets up, runs out of the house, runs to the son who came thinking that he was going to come back like a servant. But the father runs back to him and says, don't even bother telling me about, about all these things. Bring the ring, bring the rope, bring the sandals, restore him back to full sonship. My friends, if you, if you found yourself lost in this world, if you found yourself uh, um, uh, like, like you don't know what's going on, and the whole last year, it wasn't so much bad as it was a mirror to really uncover and reflect for you what really has been going on in your life. My friends, run to Jesus. If you're a Christian, run to Jesus. All the more. Because we know of His grace. My friends, 
This is the first thing you can see from John chapter 20. And I want to share with you now what happens next. What happens next, going from verse 4 onwards, sounds a bit like this. Now, remember where we left off, Peter and John have been alerted to the missing stone, or rather the missing, supposed, the alleged missing body of Jesus. And both of them, John and Peter, were running together. You see, there's a lot of running today. They were running together, but the other disciple, that's John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. By the way, this is John writing it himself. So I don't know whether he's super humble uh, for not writing his own name, or he is a bit of a humbrag. It's like the other disciple ran so fast, he got there first. And then at the end of 21, he said the other disciple was me, right? Um, a bit of a humbrag, I'm not sure. Okay, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, both of them were running together. The other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. He did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Wow, let's just stop there for a moment. Let's just stop there for a moment and take away the slide. What's happened right now is that you have these two guys who have run, and somehow or rather, one of them ran faster. And then, he, and then history belongs to the one who ran faster because he wrote the story, right? It's a little joke. But, but he ran faster. He got there. But guess what? He stood in front of the tomb. He stooped in. He looked. And he saw the linen cloth, the burial clothes, the one they wrapped the body of Jesus in. And those cloths had sunk down such that there was no body left there. Not, not just nobody, like nobody. But there was no body left there. The cloths had just sunk down and laid there quietly. And then he looks in. And then while, while he's having his little aha moment, his friend Peter comes slow. So he's a slower one, but he's also the one who's a little bit more brash, a little bit more bold, a little bit more impulsive. And he comes and it doesn't matter whether the tomb is ceremonially unclean for a Jewish man to enter so that Mary would stop short and so that the John would stop short. Peter comes in and goes like, what's happening? What's happening? Boom! He goes in. And he steps into the place of miracle. He steps into the place of God's resurrection power. And Peter, though arriving last, stepped into the tomb first. My friends, if there's just one little thing I want us to, to remember right now, every single one of us is moving on this spiritual walk at different speeds. Some of us got there sooner. Some of us got there later. Some of us are still on the way. Some of us, they look like they're already on the way. And then maybe it's like snake and ladders. They get pinned back all the way again. 2020 pinned them back all the way again. And they are tracking again. What I do know is that when you reach the edge of the place of supernatural miracles, when you reach the, the parameter of God's resurrection power, what God is trying to teach us is don't just stand there. So we want to look at the rest of the text before I, I, I show you the point. Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb. 
Continuation from this verse. He saw the linen cloths lying there. Same thing, right? What did John see? The linen cloths lying there. What did Peter see? The linen cloths also lying there. So they are seeing the same thing. But because Peter went in and he got a closer glimpse, verse 7, and the face cloth, Peter saw more than John. He saw the face cloth which had been on Jesus, on the body of Jesus, on, on his head. Not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And what that means is not that Jesus got up and then he kind of like did a Marie Kondo, one third, one third, and then left it standing there by the side. What it also means is that it lay there, separated from the rest of the linen cloths by itself quietly. Then Simon came, he saw these things, okay? Um, then the other disciple, now John, John, seeing that his friend Peter had walked into the tomb, verse 8, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. Wow. You see that? You see verse 8? Then John, having seen Peter walk into the tomb and have a greater revelation of the reality than John had while he stood outside, John says, Maybe a bit of FOMO in this case is not too bad a thing, right? In this case, John said, I also want to see you. So, tomb, unclean, or ceremonially unclean, or not unclean, or whatever it is, I'm a going in. And he goes in, and he sees it for himself. And the Bible says he saw and believed. For as yet, he did not understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Friends, on this particular point, I want us to see this one thing. When the Lord brings you, you seek God, you chase after God, you run after God, guess what? God's running after you. And you're going to reach a place where you are both standing at the perimeter of each other. You will be standing on the, on the precipice of supernatural miraculous resurrection power and you can be standing at the borderline of that like john having got there first no doubt he stood on the outside looking in and i know that for some of you you may be on the outside looking in not ezra ezra came on the inside and he's, he's running out it's all good it's all good but some of you might be on the outside looking in wondering what is this Christian life about? What is this? What is their? What is their communion? What does their communion even taste like? You know, when I was a, not a Christian, um, I had this girlfriend. She was a Catholic, and I remember asking her this question, which I thought was so layered, and I thought it was such a clever question um, uh, because I asked her, "What does communion taste like?" And I really wanted to know. Um, I really wanted to know. What does relationship with Jesus taste like, right? And she said to me, oh, it's quite bland. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know if her Christian walk with Jesus was quite bland. Um, sometimes the actual wafer can taste quite bland. But I can tell you that walking with Jesus is the most beautiful, the most wonderful, the most glorious, the most satisfying thing the most, if I can say, delicious thing 
you can ever think of. But you can stand on the edge of this banquet and never take a bite. You can. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And over, over the last couple of months since Chinese New Year and before that, we already have been sharing this little verse from one of the Psalms. I don't remember which. Taste and see. 43, was it? Yeah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't taste, you'll never know. We can cook you the best meal and it can be laid there before you. And you can take photos of it. You can feed your Instagram. You can feed your eyes. And the Chinese people have hungry ghosts. Munch where they put the food all out. And, and, and the idea is that you offer it to the hungry ghosts, right? And they can feed. They can, they can feed with their eyes. Apparently, their, their, their mouths are so small that they, that they can't eat. That's why they're, they're, they're always so hungry, right? But you can present it to them the same way the greatest banquet can be presented before you. And you can look at it. You can feast your eyes. You can feast your lens. But if you never take a bite, you'll never know whether it is any good. My friends, I know for some of you, you are standing on the edge. You're standing on the edge of resurrection power and you have not stepped in. But today, I want to invite you in. I want to be a bit like Peter, be the brash one that stumbled in earlier, you know. All messy. And my salvation was so messy, man. My salvation was not like, like perfect, you know, so beautiful. You go to the altar call, you say, thank you, Jesus, I receive you. Cry, cry, cry. After that, victory, non-stop. My salvation was not like that. I was a mess. Just before I came to know Jesus, I was a mess. I was a mess. I, 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 some of you may know this story. I wanted to kill myself. I was in Melbourne. I felt lonely. I felt I was, I was, I was bound and, and cursed to die alone and far away from home. That's what someone told me once before, that you're going to die alone and far away from home. And I thought that to be true. And I was crushed because of all weight of all kinds of other things. And I, and, and I had friends who were Christians on some level. I stood on the edge looking in. And I thought, these guys seem so happy every Sunday. Every Sunday, they go to church and after that, they go to Melbourne Central for lunch together. They seem to have such a good life together. What about me? Where's my, where, where's my joy? Where's my group of friends? Where's my this? Where's my that? And I felt like, no, for you, it's just a lonely life. You just stick to the things, your, your little art, your little writing, your little this, your little that, and just be a weird hermit. That's your, that's your future for you, Perez. He had a better plan. He had this. He had all these guys here in this, in, in, in this broadcast room as plan for me. He had all of you on the, zoo, on the gallery view right now as a plan for me. And friends, if you're feeling alone, know that he has all of us as part of a plan for you as well. Only you cannot keep standing on the outside looking in. At some point, you have to step into the place of resurrection. At some point, you have to step into the place of God's miracle over your life. Because as long as you choose to stand on the outside, God will not force you in. God will not haul you in. That's not His way. So friends, today, my invitation for you is, come in. Come in. It's great in here. Come in. Are you weary? Come in. We'll look after you to the best we know how to. Are you broken? Come in. 
We're all patching ourselves up uh, uh, in the hand, being patched up in the hands of Jesus anyway. Come in and we all get patched up together. Are you, are you wary of this world? Are you wary of COVID? Are you wary of fatigued by all of this talk? Come in. We were too. And some days we still are, but here we have Jesus. And Jesus shows us the warmth and the love and He gives us a hope for a future. A future with no COVID. A future with no cancer. A future with no, with, with no pain. A future with no brokenness. He shows us, friends, if you're on the outside looking, I'll say, come in. Come in, my friends. You want to know why? Because Jesus was just showing us a future, a future where He will wipe away all our tears. And you know what? I still have tears. Just this morning, I had tears. Yesterday, I had tears. Real tears, like real tears. I cried this morning. I cried last night. I, I went out for a run and I was feeling so heavy and I cried because I was listening. I was listening to a worship song and the, and the, and, and the song goes, Deliver me, oh God. And I cried out. I said, God, deliver me. Deliver me from whatever it is I'm going through. Deliver me. And then the song says, And I shall not want. I shall not want. And I say, God, I shall not want for all the things in this world. I shall not be lacking. I shall never lack. Why? Come in. Come in. Here we are. Here we are. Join us. Join us on this walk with Jesus. Where there is no lack. There is no lack. I shall not want. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. When I walk with you, I shall not want. To want is to have lack, right? I shall not lack. None of us shall have any lack. If you're standing out there and you're you're grieving, come in. Come in, my friends. Don't stand on the edge. Don't stand on the outside where it's cold, where it's treacherous. Don't, don't. Come on. There's, there's warmth. There's a fire. There's a fire of Jesus' love in here. Come in. Come in, my friends. We've got friends. We've got people. We've got love. We've got good food. We've got good spiritual food as well. Don't stand on the outside. This Resurrection Sunday, come in. And that's the invitation to all of you. And I want to show you, just for a brief moment as we close, what happened to Mary? We saw, right? Mary ran to James, to, to, to Peter and John, and then the two of them came, and they stood on the edge. Both went in eventually. And now Mary says, what happened to Mary? Let's look. Something about Mary. Let's look what happens to her. Verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, just like John did at the first. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. The two angels said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, She's still in the same mind. She says to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around. She turned around. And she saw a man. This man is Jesus, standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Same question as what the angels said. And then he follows up with the next question. Who are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? And if you just went with us through Good Friday, we can keep the words on. If you just followed us on Good Friday, this question, the first question that was posed in Gethsemane,
Who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, why do you seek Jesus? And right now, Jesus is saying to Mary, who are you seeking? And it's as if, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, so ironic, right? Because she's saying to Jesus, sir, if you have carried Jesus away, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Now, I don't quite know how he went about saying Mary. I don't know whether he said Mary. I don't know whether he said Mary. But at some point, in some way, he called her name. And the gardener ain't got to know her name. Only Jesus knows her name. And she heard that name called many, 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 many times before. My sheep hear and know my voice. They recognize me. When the sheep hear the voice of Jesus, when, and, the, and, and the shepherd what? Knows every sheep what? By name. So the moment Jesus said, Mary, Mary snapped out of it. She knew this is my good shepherd. This is my good shepherd. And the good shepherd has laid down his life for his sheep. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And we'll end that story there. Friends, today, Jesus says to you, who are you seeking? And sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't even know we are seeking. Sometimes we don't even know where we are going. Sometimes Jesus says again to us, who are you seeking? And he follows it up with his name. And Mary, in this case, encounters the supernatural. God brings himself to her. You know, my friends, I want to invite you in. I want to invite you in. Don't stand outside in the cold, in the wind, in the rain. Don't stand outside where it's harsh. Don't stand outside where there are, where there are thieves and robbers waiting to snatch on you and waiting to exploit you. Don't just stand outside as if, you're, as if, as if outside it's is, it is, it's, it's no, it's not better. My friends, come in. And Jesus is the one who comes to the door right now. And Jesus says, I've been looking for you. And I know you've been seeking. I know that you have sought before. I know that you look, you look for me. And you believe that one day you will find peace. One day you will find joy. And the question on your heart is still, where is that joy? Where is that peace? Where is that forever love? Will I claim it one day? And maybe the people all outside of this door have been telling you, do good, be good. Follow the laws, follow the rules. Love one another, do charity, do good works. Do lots of good. Don't treat people bad. And you go about it and you say, this sounds very reasonable, you know, I'm just going to keep on doing this. And I believe that at the end of a lifetime of doing good, I will find God. And then you somewhere along the way, either you think you're not doing so bad or you actually do some bad in between and you just don't know if you're sure of this future. And Jesus says to you, as long as you are on the outside, you will think that your doing good is good enough. Or you will think that you don't need 
someone to die for you. But here is the best news ever, my friends. All our wrongdoings, if someone ever told you, how do you remove it? If I tell you that there is a future where Jesus will wipe away every tear from your eye and He will put you in a place that forever you will feel loved, forever you will be known, forever you will be secure, forever no one will put you down, but you will feel fully secure and safe in that place. You'll be satisfied better than with rich food, says the Bible. Will you be satisfied? And no more grief, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more bad cells, no more malignant cells, nothing. All of that one day will go. No more people trying to bring you down. No more bad business deals. No more. Everything will go. And you will spend forever in the best place imaginable. Full joy, full love forever not even for 10 million years not even for 1 million million years that's too short but forever and you might say to me pastor what must I do to get this and someone out there quoted you a price they said live a good life and you can get this one other person you gave you another quote he said follow all the rules you'll get this Another person quoted you another one saying that you must live a life of an ascetic life. You must let go of all your, all your physical things because, because all your physical things create desires and desires will drag you down. So you need to let go and embrace emptiness. Someone quoted you that. And you want the same thing. You want the same end point. And I have a quote for you, my friends. He who sets, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You are free. And it is free. That's my quote for you. It's free. And you say, cannot be. Outside people charging so high, you are charging me free. What's the catch? No catch. I tell you where the catch is. Jesus paid for you. That's the catch. If you're looking for a catch, that's news for you. That's the catch. For you, no catch. No strings attached. For you, nothing. Pay nothing. Get everything. Pay nothing. Get everything. You're saying, Pastor, cannot be. Too good to be true. Too good to be true is what you say. So good has to be true. When there is a good God, so good has to be true. Not so good enough cannot be true. Not with a good God. You believe in a good God? You believe that God is the greatest good ever? Then it ought to be so good for it to be true. Not the other way around. Too good to be true is a world where God doesn't exist. That's too good to be true. But if a good God really exists, so good has to be true. Has to be from God. My friends, Come in. If there is any one of you, you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today I want to give you this invitation. The door is open. You are standing out there. And maybe you don't know 
that actually the weather is going to turn really bad. And you can say it's still sunny out here. Soon it will get, it may get bad. And that's not a curse, I swear. It's not, it's not, it's not trying to be funny. But we just went through one really tough year of really bad weather. Encounter Jesus today. Like Mary Magdalene, Jesus came, stood behind her, called her, Mary, the Lord today stands with you. Receive Him afresh into your heart. If you've never received Him as your Lord and Saviour, receive Him first time into your heart. If you have wandered far away from God, receive Him anew in your heart. If you have been walking with Jesus, but it's been so hard, so hard, Receive Him into your heart anew, afresh again and let His resurrection power come in and breathe life back into your life. You're done with the slides. I just want to give you an, an invitation one last time. Friends, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today, the door is open. Jesus says, I knock on your door, the door of your heart. Today, as I've told the story, you are standing in front of Jesus' house and He opens the door. But there is a verse in the Bible where the roles are reversed and He goes to the door of your heart and He says, I knock on that door and if you open to let me in, I will come in and sup with you. I will come in and sup with you. My friends, coming in for Jesus to sup with you. I saw a meme yesterday where Jesus says to his disciples, sup, and his disciples are like, sup, sup, what's up, what's up, what's up. And when you let Jesus in, he more than just subs with you. When you let Jesus in, he comes in to dine with you. He comes in to show you love, to show you grace, to show you strength, to show you joy. But let him in today. Come in. I want you to turn that word around. I've been asking you, come in the whole day. Now I want you to say the same to Jesus. I want you to stand at the door of your own heart and say, Jesus, come in. Come into my heart. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. If you have never prayed this before, I want to invite you to pray this along with me. And if you have prayed this prayer before, but it feels like such a long time ago, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come in, come in. I've been running all over this place, been running all over this place. But today, I found you. And today, you have found me. I opened the door of my heart. Jesus, say Jesus, come in. I want you to see Jesus coming into your heart right now. And I want you to close that door behind him and say, welcome to my life, Jesus. And I want you to hear Jesus say, I love you. And I want you to say back to Jesus, today, Jesus. Say today, Jesus. Today, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I don't understand the whole Christian thing. I will learn 
day by day. Today, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. Amen. Say amen. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for any one of my friends who said this prayer for the first time. Friends, if you said this prayer for the first time, best decision ever for the best news ever. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for every lost sheep that's come home. Today, my friends, you have come home. And as you walk into this new home, you think it seems like familiar, but also unfamiliar. It's because before the very first day you walked away from Jesus, from before the day you were born, there is something deep inside of us that recognizes home. From our ancestors, it's been passed down. The Bible says, eternity has been put into our hearts. If you find that Jesus is strangely familiar and safe, it's because you recognize Him from before you were born. Today, you have come home. Church, let us worship. I'm going to pass time to Lionel. He's going to lead us to worship. And let us just praise God right now. Praise God right now. Come, let's worship together. Oh, King Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice and hail him. Oh, Coming into your life, hail him right now. Oh, hail the Savior of the world. Oh, hail King Jesus. Come stand up, make room, make way for him. Church, for all of us who are believers, I pray the resurrection power will come marching into your house, marching into your heart. Hail King Jesus, the resurrected King has come. For those of us who have just received Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, all hail King Jesus, Jesus has come. For those of us who are still standing on the edge, and you still dare not make a decision open your mouth and say I hail King Jesus and sing I hail the Savior of the world I hail King Jesus sing it right now I hail the Lord of heaven and by saying that you receive Jesus into your Lord, into your heart as your Lord, you call him King, you hail him, you receive him into your Lord. And even if you sang that in your heart, I want to declare by faith 
that you've come into a believing faith in Jesus Christ. And today, you've been saved out of the jaws of death into the safe hands of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Friends, if you receive Jesus for the first time today, if you sang that last chorus for the first time today, meaning it for yourself, or if you prayed that prayer earlier, I want you to go to the Zoom chat and type into one of the guys written CT. Right? You see those guys saying C, whose names start with CT? Tell them, I received Jesus today. Help me get connected to church. Help me with what's next. Just tell them, I received Jesus today. I'm going to close and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that on this Resurrection Sunday, you're raising up dead to life. You're raising up brokenness to fullness. You're raising up sickness to healing. You're raising up everything that has ended. You're giving it a new lease of life. Time extended. Eternity extended. So Father, we thank you. Every one of us praising you. Every one of us exalting you. Oh Father, be praised for every life that is being saved right now. Thank you. Now may the love of God the Father May the love of the Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit run from all eternity into your life and be with you until we meet again. All of God's people have a praise and a shout and a hail. Amen. Amen, Amen church. Woo. Praise God.